As the rector of St. Bride's Church, Fleet Street, I warmly welcome you to this service, which is brought to you while our doors are closed due to the coronavirus outbreak. It has been collated from our archive of live choral music, together with readings, prayers, and a sermon recorded for this service. I shall be offering this act of worship on your behalf, so please join your prayers with mine. May the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. is risen. Please be seated. It is a great delight to welcome you to St. Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the sixth Sunday of Easter. Wherever you are in the world right now, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you're very much part of the St. Bride's family. We begin with our opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts 
by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Let us therefore rejoice by putting away all malice and evil and confessing our sins with a sincere and true heart. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Redeemer, you have delivered us from the power of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of your Son. Grant that as by his death he has recalled us to life, so by his continual presence in us he may raise us to eternal joy. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, 
one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is taken from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 17, beginning at the 22nd verse. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. What, therefore, you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live, so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The epistle is taken from the first letter of Peter, chapter 3, beginning at the 13th verse. Now who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear, and do not be intimidated, but in your heart sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defence to anyone who demands from you an account of the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if suffering should be God's will than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey. When God waited patiently in the days of Noah, during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight people, were saved through water, and baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for the good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities and powers made subject to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth 
whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Before I was ordained, I worked for a short time as a secondary school teacher. And the night before I was due to begin my teacher training course, I can remember waking up in a cold sweat when the terrible realisation dawned that I would probably end up having to teach children like me. Because as a secondary school pupil, I was a bit of a nightmare, to put it mildly. For much of my school career, I was lazy, insolent, and unmotivated. But the more that I thought about my experience of school during that long, sleepless night, the more I realized that that was far from being the whole story, particularly during my early years as a secondary school pupil. There were, in fact, little pockets of time when I had actually worked quite hard and done well. And I also started to recognize that the relationships that I had had with individual teachers played a large part in this. That is why geography and RE were always for me a complete write-off, because at my own school they were not well taught. At times I did quite well at English and history when I had teachers whom I liked and respected. But most revealing of all was my experience of being taught maths. I've always found maths quite a challenge, partly because it does not come very easily to me, and partly because during my school days, I often struggled to see the point of what it was that we were being asked to do. You must bear in mind, dear children, that this was in the days of slide rules, and an age when much of one's time was spent acquiring useful life skills involving the calculation of furlongs, poles, and perches. I doubt that many people these days have even heard of a slide rule, let alone had to use one. Anyway, very early on during my time at secondary school, I was blessed with an absolutely wonderful maths teacher. She was quite robust, and she was certainly nobody's fool but she was also very patient, very kind, and absolutely committed to every pupil in her charge. She spotted straight away that I was struggling, and so, in a very simple and straightforward way, she supported and encouraged me. She took no nonsense, but nor was she ever judgmental or critical. And, as a result of her positive attitude towards me, I gradually started to get it. I began to glimpse how one can derive real satisfaction from discovering mathematical patterns and through problem solving. In fact, I made such good progress in her care that at the end of that year, remarkably, I was promoted to the top maths set. 
at which point my mathematical fortunes changed dramatically because my subsequent maths teacher, who was universally and unaffectionately known as Basher, was feared and disliked by all. In a subject in which I was still quite vulnerable and insecure, I spent the entire year that I was in his class petrified and doing my very best to remain completely invisible. Indeed, the one thing worse than the prospect of having to do my maths homework, the very thought of which had me shaking with fear, was the experience of receiving it back. Mostly, my exercise book was hurled down on my desk with an accompanying snarl of contempt. Is that the best you can do? My fear of that man not only overshadowed the whole of that year for me, it also left me with a lifelong block about any math-related task that I've only been able to shift relatively recently. Now, just in case you're wondering, there is a reason why I'm regaling you with these anecdotes from my distant past, which, strange though it may seem, is to do with the nature of God and the nature of human flourishing, particularly as revealed in the opening phrase of this morning's gospel reading, in which Jesus says to his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Let me explain. It always surprises and depresses me that so many intelligent and educated people in our society who are clear that they have no time at all for religion carry with them a set of assumptions about the Christian faith that are not only a caricature but are in fact seriously misplaced, namely their misbelief that Christianity teaches that if you are good and well-behaved, then God will reward you after death by allowing you into heaven, whereas if you are bad and misbehave, then nothing but punishment and wrath and eternal damnation awaits you, imposed by an angry and vengeful God. Hardly surprising that so many people dismiss the whole package without even taking the trouble to explore it further. Incidentally, this also helps to explain why one rather tedious and equally misguided refrain that I have heard endlessly over the years is the phrase, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. What the speaker usually means by this is, of course, you don't have to go to church to be a good person. But the point about the Christian faith, as I have often said before, is that it is not about being good. It is about being loved. And yes, of course, that will have implications for how one lives one's life and for the choices that one makes in life. But it is love that comes first, and it is love that defines all else that follows. It is emphatically not about reward and punishment in the kind of simplistic sense that is so often wrongly assumed. And we see love literally placed first in our words from Jesus. If you love me, keep my commandments. Note that the sole reason that Jesus gives for keeping the commandments has nothing to do with the hope of earning a reward nor of avoiding punishment. It is simply love, love for him. Think about it for a moment. If what motivates us is pure self-interest and the hope of some kind of reward, then where in any of that is the incentive for us to grow in love and grace? to reach beyond our own selfish concerns and interests, to do as the Christian gospel requires us to do. Conversely, as in the example of my dreadful maths experience, if our actions are primarily governed by fear, 
whether the fear of punishment or the fear of failure, our life will invariably be diminished by that and never enhanced. Christ promises us life in all its fullness, a promise that is utterly incompatible with any regime that is fundamentally ordered through punishment and fear, which takes me back to the example of my wonderful maths teacher. Thinking back, I can now see that the reason why I worked so hard for her and gave of my best for her was not because I wanted to achieve any kind of reward, nor was it about competing with other pupils, and it certainly wasn't driven by fear. Rather, I wanted to to do good work for her purely and simply because I liked and respected her and because I wanted her to know that I really was doing my best It mattered to me that she thought well of me because she mattered to me. And the reason why I felt like that was because from the outset, she had shown an interest in me. She cared about me as she did about all her individual pupils. This came across in the way she related to us in every single lesson. There was no such thing as a stupid question in the classes she took because she took us all seriously. No child was ever ridiculed or diminished by her. And in that kind of context, I was able to grow. I was able to discover new things about myself and about my abilities. If you feel loved, then you find yourself wanting to respond in the way you behave and my world was enhanced and enriched and enlarged as a result of that. And her example is a far, far better model for understanding the nature of God's love and care for us and our call to respond to that love in the way that we live than any kind of bribe and punishment sort of theology. We are charged to keep God's commandments to transform the way we live, to model our lives upon Christ and to follow him, not because we will get a reward for doing so, nor because we are scared of not doing so, but simply out of love. And once we know we are loved, the resources of love within our own hearts are opened up and set free and we can grow, and we can flourish, and we can each discover the person we truly are, the person we were called to be. And importantly, we do not do so alone. Jesus' charge to his disciples is followed by a promise. He will send to them the spirit of truth, a spirit who will be with them forever, even after he has gone from their sight. Know that you are loved and valued by God for who and what you are. Know that he wants you to discover true fullness of life, to discover true freedom, freedom from all the shackles of fear and anxiety and anger and envy and despair that can keep us in chains. Follow in his steps. Strive to keep his commandments but do not do so with the aim of being rewarded nor from the fear of punishment. Do it simply for love. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Christ. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, 
was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. As we near the end of the Easter season, let us pray to the risen Lord who fills our hearts with Easter joy. Risen Lord, Spirit of Truth, in you is the mystery of eternity and we behold your glory. Inspire your church with this vision and build it into a spiritual house for you. Our prayers are asked for the church in Korea, for this diocese, for Sarah our bishop, and for our parish, for Alison and Jeff, and our congregation, remote yet united in prayer and fellowship. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Risen Lord, Spirit of Truth, you cast out fear, and in trusting in you all people rejoice. Expand the vision of world leaders and those who seek to oppose truth and justice, to embrace respect and dignity for all. We pray for those in need throughout the world, for those nations continuing to struggle with the pandemic, but also giving thanks for those where the danger has now passed. We pray for our politicians as they continue their efforts to keep us safe. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Risen Lord, Spirit of Truth, in you our troubled hearts are eased and we are enfolded in your love. Hear our prayer for all we name before you in the silence of our hearts. For all affected by the pandemic and others whose care and treatment are affected by the pressures on our health and care services. We continue to give thanks for our doctors and nurses and all working to keep us safe and well. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Risen Lord, Spirit of Truth, give new life to all who have died and bring us through the waters of death to the life eternal. Send your Spirit to all who mourn, that they may find comfort in your presence. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Risen Lord, Spirit of Truth, move amongst us and unite us all as a community of your beloved children. Risen Lord, Spirit of Truth, we say together, Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of thy Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you please stand? The risen Christ came and stood among his disciples and said, Peace be with you. Then were they glad when they saw the Lord. Alleluia. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. But chiefly we are bound to praise you because you raised him gloriously from the dead. For he is the true Paschal Lamb who was offered for us and has taken away the sin of the world. By his death, he has destroyed death, and by his rising to life again, he has restored to us everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen.
Let us pray. God our Father, whose Son, Jesus Christ, gives the water of eternal life, may we thirst for you, the spring of life and source of goodness, through him who is alive and reigns now and forever. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Hallelujah. 